So um, I'm going to kind of, believe it or not, after preaching the same thing over and over for about three months, now it hasn't been the same thing, but it's been along the same line of the finished work of the cross, I'm going to slightly shift gears tonight with something and a topic that I just thought was appropriate because I believe that it's a, it's a crisis in our society and something that many people don't have in the natural and therefore they oftentimes miss this representation of God in the spiritual. And so I'm going to talk to you tonight um, about uh, God the Father, the Father's heart of God. And so I want to start, if we can, today. We're going to go over, and Michael, I have a video after a couple of these slides so you can turn the aux on for me. Um, I, want to t- I want to talk to you from the very beginning of time. We've been going a lot back to Genesis. Um, it's amazing that when you continue to research and to learn and to see the Word of God um, from beginning to end, and you learn, it's, sometimes it's helpful uh, if you're a new believer to read the New Testament, specifically one of the four Gospels. And if you've never read the Bible before, I would say start in John. Because John's kind of right, John loved Jesus, and he wrote from that perspective. And so it's a really good place to start because he tells about the Messiah. Sometimes it's helpful to learn about Jesus and what he did and then go back and begin to read some of the Old Testament because then what we're beginning to see, uh, even from the very beginning in Genesis, is beginning to tell us or foretell us of what is to come. And it all makes sense when you know the ending. Right? Does that make sense? It's, uh, it's not, not trying to trick you, but without knowing the ending, sometimes the rest of it can seem cruel. It can seem like God is angry. It can seem like God is distant. But when you realize that um, he's been the same God all along and has always loved his people and wanted the best for them, and you see the ending, you can, you can bring that back to the very beginning. So I wanted to talk to you tonight about some of the names of God. And there's a whole bunch of names. But in the beginning, there was God the Creator, who, who the Hebrew word is Elohim. Can you guys say that with me? Elohim. Yeah, you got to spit when you say it. If, if you don't hit the person in front of you in the back with a little, not enough for them to notice, but just a little sparkle, you know what I mean? A little glitter in the hair. You're not doing it right. So it's Elohim. And, and so if you don't want to spit, it's Elohim. And uh, that is God the creator. And so we see from the very beginning of time, it was um, very, uh, if you read Genesis, it, it's, it's uh, and Elohim said, let there be light. And there was light. And Elohim said, right, and all through creation. So as we go through creation, that the name for God is Elohim, which means God the creator, Right? It's not a personal God in any shape of the imagination. It's God the creator. And then we take another step forward. And when man, that's you and me, when we come into the picture, he's not just God the creator. He's the covenant God. He's the God who keeps his promises. So now he is Yahweh Elohim. All right? You all want to say Yahweh? It's weird, right? So Yahweh. It's it's Yahweh Elohim. So it's God, the, 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 creative, the creative God who keeps his promises. Before there was man, he didn't have a covenant. But when man entered this world, he established a covenant with him. Even before what we would consider the old covenant, he was considered still the God of the covenant. 
from the very beginning of time, God wanted to keep his word and has always kept his word to man. Do you hear me? Even before the law was poured out, even before the Ark of the Covenant was built, even before the tablets came uh, that we you know, refer to as part of the law, even before all of that, God wanted to keep his covenant, his promise with you and I. I don't know about you, but has anyone in this room ever had a father who didn't keep his promises? Yeah. I'm not. And then as we progress through the word of God, we find other names for him. We find uh, this name, one of the the important names that we find is with Abraham. How many of you know that Abraham got to an age in his life? I'm going to be very careful about how I say this, just in case there's any lingering children. But not everything was working appropriately. Well, your mother will draw you a diagram on her iPad, okay? Um, that, should, that should be weird enough for you. He was 99, I believe, and things were not functioning at that point. And so God came along, and Abraham knew he was mighty, but he didn't know him as almighty because he still needed God to intervene so that he could have a son, right? And so God, of course, intervenes, and in that moment, he shifts from being Elohim, he shifts from being Yahweh, and he becomes El Shaddai, which means the Almighty God. So you might hear a song that sings about that. That's what that means, El Shaddai, the Almighty God. And I actually, I'm not going to play this whole video because it's 11 minutes long, and you're going to get the point after about two, because we're really smart here. So I want to just show you some of the names of God, because I want you to see how many different ways... God has come to bless us. And Estrella, your mother, Hortensia Ferlinghuisen, is calling me on my phone. So it's your fault. I blame you. Decline. I've always wanted to do that to my mother-in-law. All right. Here we go. God's nature never changes. He is and he will always be. He is who he is. That's what his name Jehovah even means. means I am. Yahweh means he is. He's God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Creator, Yahweh, Lord Jehovah, El Elyon, the Most High God, Adonai, Lord, Master, El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty, El Alam, the Everlasting God, the God of Eternity, the God of the Universe, the God of Ancient Days. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. He is the Shiloh, the Peacemaker, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner, the Lord my miracle. 
He is Kanah, jealous. He is Jehovah M. Kadash, the Lord who sanctifies you, the Lord who makes holy. He is. He is a star. A scepter out of Israel. The cursed of God. The captain of the host of the Lord. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of powers. The rock of my salvation. My salvation. He is the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds. He is the day's man. The interpreter. My rock and my redeemer. He is crowned, the crown of pure gold. The most blessed forever. Forever. He is the forsaken. The worm and no man. He is Jehovah Ra. He is my restorer. The king of glory. He who sitteth king forever. He is a stranger and an alien. My strong rock, my rock in my fortress. This goes on for about another nine minutes. Pretty amazing. I think it's about two minutes in, right, Michael? Maybe two and a half minutes in. It's 11 minutes long of nothing but the names of God. I mean, it's amazing, right? Well, I don't tell my secrets. Send me a message on Facebook with a $5 donation, and I'll tell you where you get it's just He Is, and it's by Eric Ludy, L-U-D-Y. You can find that on YouTube from Ellerslie Society, but you don't need to know that part. So we read in Romans 8.15, it says this, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Again is a very important word here. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. With all of the names that are used to describe him. And in all of the ways that he has come to his people. All of the symbolism that we've gotten from the word of God. To describe who God is to us. How he describes himself. When the spirit of God came to mankind. And when Jesus came to this earth to represent his father. And his spirit came to you and I. He did not come as God the Almighty. He didn't come as El Shaddai. He didn't come as Adonai. He came to reveal himself, the nature he wanted to reveal to you and I that was more important than any other part of his nature. The way that he wanted to relate to you and I was not as the Creator. Not as the Almighty. Not even as the covenant-keeping God. Yes, He is all of that. But do you know how He wanted to relate to you and I? Do you know how He wanted to know us? Do you know how He wanted you and me to know Him? He wanted, more than anything else, for us to know Him as Daddy. Daddy. You may have had a really warped idea of what daddy means. And maybe mankind has really failed the definition of daddy for you. But let me tell you what daddy's supposed to look like in the natural, let alone what it looks like with our heavenly father. When my daughter falls down a couple of stairs on her way down, to see us, she gets a little crazy and she'll crawl down some stairs. And I begin to even hear her foot slip. Recently, I was about 15 feet away and I just saw her foot slip. 
And I ran towards her and I literally pinned her up against the side railing of the steps so that she wouldn't fall any further. That's what daddy God is. He's not a God who's waiting to punish. He's not a God who's waiting to discipline at every turn. Discipline's the worst part of fatherhood, not the part you look forward to. Is anyone here with me? If you think God is waiting and excited about disciplining you, you have a warped idea of what a father is. And maybe rightfully so. Tonight, more than anything else, I wanted to correct in your mind the definition of who your daddy God is. George Banoff says, who's your daddy? He says, who's your daddy? Does anyone know Georgian? You have the father's DNA. Who's your daddy? Oh, yes. Who's your daddy? That's what he says. He's, he's crazy, but in a good way. And this is live on the internet. So if he's watching, love you, Georgian. Um, it's this idea that if Jesus today was sitting here in the flesh in front of you and he wanted to represent the Father to you, that's exactly how he referred to him as not just his Father, but our Father. Not God, but Father. Are you with me? Not Creator, but Father. Not the Almighty, but Father. Not even Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Is he our provider? Yes. But he wants to know you as child, son, daughter, and him as daddy God. We find in, um, in the scripture um, here, in uh, Abba is not a Greek word. Did you know that? Abba is not a Greek word. Everything here was originally written in the Greek, but they left the Aramaic or the Arab. It was, it was the old Arab, Aramaic, which Jesus spoke Aramaic. You guys know that. Jesus spoke Aramaic. They left the Aramaic word Abba there. The Greek word that would have been there would have been, would have been pater, P-A-T-E-R. The Greek word pater literally means like father, I'm going out for a dip in the lake, Father. Please tell Mommy. It's very formal. The Greek had no word for Daddy. Is anybody freaking out here? The Greek has no word for an informal, close relationship word for a father figure. It has no word for Daddy. In Aramaic, it did. It was Abba. The Holy Spirit, when he inspired for this to be written, for this letter to be written, he stopped. I assume, we can only assume that he's writing this in Greek. And very, 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 only a couple of times this has happened in, in all of the New Testament, where the writer stops in Greek and says, I can't touch that. Why? Why was the Holy Spirit so concerned with making sure that that word was correctly translated why didn't he just replace it with the Greek word for father? Because father wasn't enough. Because father can be translated a lot of ways. He specifically 
allowed that Aramaic word to stay in the original text so that you and I could know that it wasn't just father, but it was daddy. Those of you that had maybe better examples of fathers than others, you know what I'm talking about. There's something about a daddy's love. Something about the way a daddy protects, the way the daddy cares. My dad jokes around that, you know, don't raise your hand. I had a great dad. I remember that I would drive my mom nuts all day long. And she wanted to whoop me. And see, when I grew up, we believed in whoopings. Just a little bigger. <laughs> and my mom would, you know, she would be, she, she couldn't even take that. She was so busy caring for five kids and the house and all the stuff that she did to love us and nurture us and see us grow up and all that that she didn't even have time. She was afraid. She didn't even know what would happen if she took one of us into a room and whooped us while the other four were running the show. (laughs) With food on the stove and all that. And so it was, you know, in between changing a diaper or cooking or doing whatever, mom would just sling these words over and look, wait till your father gets home. Anyone ever experienced that? Wait till your father gets home. And I got to tell you, when he got home, I could have been in my teenage years of like, he's the dumbest person that's ever lived. Any of you go through that period where you thought your, your parents or your father was just, how dumb can you get? He doesn't understand a thing about me. Right? Some of you have kids that are going through that right now. You just don't get it. You know, dramatic. But, but he, he'd walk through the door and my mom would say, Honey, you got to whoop Danny because he did this, this, and this. I'm going to tell you something. When he took me in that bedroom, I don't care how upset I was with him. I don't care if I was rebelling against him. I don't care whatever. I switched over from d- father and dad to daddy. I know I was wrong. Now, before the Lord, did I start crying before you ever hit me? He started wiggling, crying, wailing. We, her mom and dad were at our house for Christmas or Thanksgiving or something. And one of these incidents happened. And we walked in the room before I could. I used to do things like we're going to do rodeo spankings and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> or Elvis Presley and all that kind of stuff. He was screaming so loud that her mother came to the door and banged on it. She thought I was in there killing him and I hadn't even touched him yet. Then I, then what I did was, because I knew that she wanted me to give him discipline, so I said, I figured it out. I'll hit the bed with something, and you scream. He's ruining my story, but that's okay. If I could, if I could tap in to the daddy nature of my father, and not the pater, Greek, father nature, if I could get him to realize that you're not just my father, you're my daddy. Would you, the two of you are, for God's sakes, can the man make a point without you ruining it? 
I could get him to hit the bed instead of me. Because the minute he was my daddy and I was his son, there was nothing worse than disciplining me. It's not that he didn't do it sometimes. It's not that I didn't need it. It's not that I didn't deserve it. But a daddy hates to see his children suffer. A daddy hates to see them fearful, see them depressed, see them sick. I don't know when my little one was in the hospital, um, Stray and I's youngest, Maddie, she was there for 62 days, and I would have done anything. You could have said, we're going to remove your right arm, but we'll dismiss her out of the hospital today healthy. I would have said, take my right arm. I would have done anything for her to be well. Listen to me. I know I'm speaking slow today, but I want to get this across. Our daddy in heaven is so much greater than anything I could describe in the natural. When you're sick, do you think that he doesn't want to move heaven and earth for you to be well? When you're full of shame, regret, fear, anxiety, you don't think he wants to do everything he can to see you walk out in total freedom. Religion has defined him a lot of ways. But I'm going to tell you one thing right now. What will melt fear and shame and all the stuff that we've been talking about lately that holds us back, regret, disappointment, anxiety, worry, fear, all that stuff, what will melt it like butter on a hot day is Abba Father. Do you hear me tonight? Now, I, I feel this in the spirit right now. and doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. Some of us are wiggling and we're a little bit uncomfortable because of our own natural experience with our Father. I'm telling you, if we can get healing to receive him as daddy God, much of what we struggle with will, go, will melt away. The prescription to our problem is found in the arms of daddy. Matthew, Matthew 6, 25 says this. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Think about that. Think about that in the context of Daddy God. Think about that. Verse 27 and who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. Listen, I, I, I know I've preached this ad nauseum, and I, I, I can't barely contain myself when I hit these parts of the scriptures. But do you see that Solomon in all of his glory, one of the wisest and richest men to ever live, in his own strength, could not do what God does for the lilies. Do you hear me? If this doesn't tie in with what I've been talking about lately and what we've been, what we've been learning and discovering, that in our own strength, 
when we, when we, you know, it's this idea that I, I don't need a daddy. I don't need a dad. Look what I've done to this point. My dad was never here for me. I don't need a spiritual dad. I don't need an Abba dad. I don't need anything. I don't even like Abba songs. I don't want any of it. If we would take the time to realize, if we would take the time to realize that much of what we are up against and we face will never be solved in our own strength, our own wisdom, our own riches, our own power. Solomon, who is one of the richest, the wisest, could not accomplish what God did casually for the lilies. That's what a daddy he is. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the furnace, which he, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, do not worry then saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God knows everything you need. He knows it all. He knows everything you need. So, oh gosh, I didn't put 33 in there. My heavens, I'll read it right here. (laughs) But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, what does this mean in the context of what I've been preaching? I mean, can we just take a moment back here? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Who will inherit the kingdom of God? Yeah, but what, what's, come on, we know the Beatitudes. Who will inherit the kingdom of God? The meek. The meek will inherit the kingdom of God, and righteousness is a gift that we receive through Christ Jesus. The meek, who are the meek? The meek are the ones that realize that in and of my own strength, I can accomplish nothing. Are you with me? In and of my own ability, I can accomplish nothing without him. The meek inherit the kingdom. The gift of righteousness comes through the knowledge that Jesus Christ makes up the difference for every failure and fault in my life. And it says this in the scripture. It says, if you seek the understanding of the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what that means for us and how we attain it and how we receive it, which is not because of our own behavior or our own strength or our own whatever, if we seek those things, all of the rest that we're worried about will be added unto us. When we're striving to receive what God has already sent in his son, we leave ourselves in a, in a constant cycle of failure because not only do we not see the kingdom of God come to pass, not only we don't, do we not experience his righteousness in our life, but then the things that we believe that God promised he would supply to us aren't there either. Folks, every part of this goes back to the understanding that we must realize in and of itself we can accomplish nothing. We must have Jesus, and we must have the fulfillment of what he did on the cross for us. If you're yawning, I rebuke you. (laughs) 
In, in Romans 8.15, I'm going to end with this. In Romans 8.15, it says that I just read earlier. It says, for you not received a spirit of fear or spirit of slavery leading to fear again. I don't have time to get into all this because it's so elaborate. But if you read the scripture in the Greek, you'll begin to realize that what the writer is talking about is being enslaved to the very thing that Jesus came to set us free from, which was the law. It was the fear of not fulfilling or being able to accomplish or hold up to what the high priest expected us to hold up to. People were enslaved to the, to the Jewish tradition. People were enslaved to the law. People were enslaved to the idea that in my own ability, I will improve little by little, and I will eventually, like the little engine that could, make it. And it said, and it's so clear, he says, for you have not received a, a, a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, which means that they were enslaved to something before, but you've received a spirit of adoption. In other words, you are an heir. You don't have to try to do this on your own, but you are an heir and you receive, just like a son, just like a daughter, you receive the inheritance of heaven for which we cry out, you're my daddy, God. Is anybody just like getting this or is it just me? Because if you're not getting it, it's not your fault, it's mine. Do you see this picture? Did someone say amen or Dan? All right. I'm going to read this last scripture here if I can. Exodus 2.24, it says, So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the sons of Israel, and God took notice of them. This is right as God is giving his people Moses the Deliverer. It says that God heard their groaning. I don't know what that sounded like. But anytime I've seen the word, this, this word groaning in the Hebrew is the same word groaning when it talks about that the Spirit of God will make intercession or groanings for us. This idea of groaning is just like a prayer, but maybe not a cleaned up perfect little prayer. It may not look like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm coming before you on my knees in great intercession that I would ask of thee to supply the necessities of my existence here on this creation earth. Anyone ever feel like you have to pray that way for God to hear you? Let's be honest with each other. It's just simply this. Oh, God, I am out of options. This is when we, we, we hone in, not on the Almighty, not on the Creator, not on the Provider, not on any of that stuff. It's when we tap in, in that moment, to the Father heart of God, the Daddy God heart. 
don't know what else to do. In my relationship, with my child, with my job, with my, where I work, with whatever's going on. We all have issues. We all have problems. We all have obstacles. It's just taking a moment on to say, Dad, I need you. There's this idea of, I want to end with, that this power of attorney that's been given to us. When Jesus left this earth, he transferred the power of attorney for his father to you and I. Now, see, your ability in a power of attorney, you can enter into contracts, you can, you can sign checks. I want to say this to you. Uh, the checkbook is only as good as the account of the person that owns. Do we know what we're talking about here? I've got some old checks from banks that we don't bank with anymore. That you can write those checks all day long. You ain't going to get far. All right? And I know some great folks at the sheriff's office that will be coming to your door pretty quickly. All right? As a matter of fact, you could, you could steal our current checkbook with our current bank, and you ain't going to get far. <laughs> but the ability to sign, as, a, as a, have the power of attorney to sign the checks of heaven here on the earth, as a son and as a daughter, we tap into the inheritance of our daddy. Not to a far distant God, to our daddy. And daddy owns it all. You know, when we pray for healing, you know, the Bible says that God said, I have, I have more to say, but I'm going to end with this. God, God says that when, when you see the mountain, you speak to the mountain to be removed, right? In the church, we do the opposite. We say, God, there's a mountain over there. And he's like, we'll speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed. And we're like, okay. Hey, there's a mountain over there. And I just need your spirit to do something about it. He's like, speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed. Because if I sent you on a business trip to Europe with my power of attorney, and I gave you my checkbook, I gave you my debit card, I gave you whatever I needed to give you, and you went there with that power of attorney in hand, right, and you got into a situation where you needed to write a check to get out of that situation, you wouldn't say, call me on the phone and say, I need you to come over here and sign this check and to figure out this problem. I would say, hey, get out your checkbook and speak to the problem because you are a son, you are a daughter, and I'm your daddy, and I told you that if you needed something to write the check. This is the relationship that God wants to have with you and I. Why would we walk around this life thinking that God hates us, he's mad at us, he, we have shame on us, we have all this stuff. Why would we walk around with the baggage of thinking that God is somehow this, this dark cloud that looms over us, that's waiting for us to get out of line, to kick us back in the pants, and to knock us back in the line, when all along he's saying, you are a son, you are a daughter, you have the same inheritance as my son Jesus, so come to me as daddy, as father God, and I give you all authority that is in heaven and earth to accomplish what I've given you to accomplish. That's what we have in front of us. We can walk around with that understanding. What was finished on the cross is more than just what's for us. It's for what's, what God's given us to give to the world. We don't have to walk around with this idea. So instead of saying, um, God, this very strange-looking man came to me, it wants me to pray for his knees. So God, I just ask right now. And I do this all the time. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I doing it? It's not even really the pattern God's given us. Lord, if there's any way, I know he probably deserves this, but if there's any way 
you could just maybe think about. No, it's I command this need to be healed in the name of Jesus. All authority that is in heaven and earth, God has given me. And I say need be healed. And, and whatever attack of the enemy that is on that knee, I tell you, you can have no place. I curse cancer in every body that's in this place. I curse every communicable disease, every disease that, that people said there's no cure for. We command it in the name of Jesus to leave right now. I'm not going to tell God there's a mountain in front of me. I'm going to speak to that mountain and say, hey, my daddy gave me his checkbook. And I'm writing a check for this mountain to be removed right now. It's the, my dad's given this example a million times. It's the idea of the police officer that's 120 pounds in some country town soaking wet. You know, like, you know, some, so he's just sitting there and he's excited because but he might have barely passed, you know, the academy. But by golly, his badge has just as much power in it as the guy who is six foot three and 220 pounds of muscle that's on the SWAT team. His badge has just as much authority as anybody else. And we can look around the room and say, that guy doesn't deserve to have the same authority as that guy. How many schools has he been to? I don't even think he passed the third grade. And at the end of the day, when you've received Jesus, Jesus has given you all the power and authority from, from, from the Father, from Daddy God, and he's put it in your hands. And the idea is this. My dad's given this story a million times where that police officer, 120 pounds, could be you know, soaking could be at the bottom of a hill and there could be a trucker uh, coming downhill, you know, 50,000 pound load, whatever it is, it's coming his way. And if he steps out into that lane and holds up that badge or, or puts his hand out to stop, that guy's going to screech his brakes and come to a halt. Why? Because he can stop him? Why? Because you can heal somebody? Because, because you have the power? No, it's who's behind him. It's who's behind the, 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 the check that he's writing. It's who's behind that badge. Because let me tell you something. Go ahead and not stop. See, the enemy knows that when you get this revelation down and you stop living like an orphan saying, I just hope one day I'll just be enough that God will just accept me. No one ever accepted me. And I just maybe one day, if the enemy can keep you there wallowing in that, you'll have no power. That's why it says the law has no power to perfect. It has no power. You'll never make it until you realize, I may be 110 pounds soaking wet. Now, from the looks of it, I'm probably lying about that. But, honey, I serve the same God as any of you and the same power and authority that he gave his son and his son gave to his disciples, has been given to me, and my daddy has my back. That is why we serve Abba Father tonight. Will you bow your heads and we'll pray together? Boy, I preached longer than I wanted to, but I'm... I just said, you know, on Sunday, we, we prayed together. We joined our faith, and that's exactly what this church did. We spoke to the malaria in Jocelyn's body that was killing her, that they said there was no hope. We spoke to her. We didn't say, oh, Lord, touch her. We said, 
Jocelyn, you're going to live and not die. We speak life to you. Get up out of that bed. And the Lord God Almighty is faithful to be behind that run around the church. Lord Jesus. My heavens. He's trying to collect on his life insurance policy on you. <laughs> can we pray together? Those of you guys that are watching on Facebook, you can pray right along with us right where you're at. Yeah, you can share whatever you want. And then you pray. Uh, I don't have to pray, but um, we were on our way home from church. It was a Wednesday night. It was kind of a kind of cool out. It wasn't snowing, but it was. I think it was in October. And Jim was just little, you know. He was probably in Pennsylvania. He was about three years old, maybe, maybe four. I don't remember. And um, so we lived on the side of a hill, and they had to go up about 15 steps just to get to our sidewalk to go in the house. And so we go up the side of this hill, and He's looking up, and the moon was like, you could almost, you know, it was so big, it looked like you could touch it. It was right there up in the mountains, and it's clear sky. And, and he looks up at it, and he says, Daddy. And I had him by the hand. He said, can I touch the moon? And I said, because it looked like you could just reach out and touch it. I said, no, Jim, you, you can't touch the moon. It's very, very far away. And this is what he said. He said, oh, yes, I can. He said, if you pick me up. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what's in front of you. What obstacle, what you're going through, how you doubt yourself. Your daddy will pick you up and you'll be able to reach the moon. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Father, we thank you for your loving kindness, and you are our Father. And help us. So many of us have a wrong concept of what a dad is because somebody failed us. Somebody left us. Somebody left us alone. But you said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You're on our side. Our future is bright. And you're a good God. And we love you. I, I ask that every one of us can get it deeper in our heart so we might live the fulfillment of the life that you have for us. In Christ's name we pray. Everyone say amen. Hey, we'll see you. I'm preaching Sunday. Yeah.